What if I told you that in 2024, you were going to travel more? I bet you would be excited because who doesn't have travel more on their 2024 vision board? But my loves, it's time to craft a bit of an action plan and take your first steps. And this is where I come in. I'm hosting a trip to Bali, May 23rd to May 29th, 2024 for the Manifest Daily community. I'm so excited about this one. We have a jam-packed itinerary. We have a Balinese cooking class, a sacred monkey forest, visit a coffee brewing workshop, literally the works because that's just a taste of the itinerary. And this trip is a celebration of new beginnings and also a couple of birthdays. So if you're curious about Bali and you want to meet me there alongside a couple other wonderful, amazing, beautiful souls, head to my website for more information, themanifestly.com slash events. Visit the link in the show notes. And yeah, let's let's hang out in Bali. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is DeAngela Colette. If you're new here, my love, welcome. I'm super excited to have you tuned in for your first ever episode of Manifest Daily. And of course, to my OG listeners, you already know the vibes. Okay, hey girl, hey, hey boy, hey. What's poppin', what's good? Welcome back to another episode of Your Fave. My loves, today we have another guest episode. We're chatting with Melissa Basie and we're chatting all about attachment theory, all about law of assumption, Neville Goddard, all of those things. And it's a really interesting conversation. And I'm super excited to get into that. But before we do, I would love to take a chance to like recap and catch up and chat with y'all about what is going on and all of the things. Because I feel like I've been away from the mic for so long. And excuse me if you can tell that I'm like literally struggling to breathe as I record this because y'all, my asthma has been acting crazy. Okay. When I tell y'all it's been acting up and if you didn't know, I had COVID, uh, I believe it was like late 2021 and I got asthma after having COVID. And ever since then I have these like asthma attacks or just kind of like these flare ups that happen that's triggered by allergies and all of the things. And I recently went to Denver. So I just came back today like I'm talking I just landed like 30 minutes ago doing my laundry and I'm like let me sit down and record this intro for this episode and I literally was like okay I don't know if it's the elevation in Denver that kind of triggered something or what it is but I have a doctor's appointment today this afternoon to go get checked out make sure I'm all good because I was sick as well in the past week and so all of the things kind of just has me has my lungs in a compromised position okay so if you hear me struggling please bear with me it is very hard when when obviously podcasting is like talking an audio and you don't realize how much you need to breathe when you talk until you're struggling to breathe and struggling to talk. So here we are. But anyways, my loves, I I just wanted to catch up because I have been away from the podcast for like, what, two or three weeks now. And when I tell y'all that was a much needed break. I have talked about burnout on the show so many times. Okay, maybe not that many times. I've talked about it at least a couple of times on this show and it is so freaking real and I've noticed for myself whenever I get to the point where I'm like burning out or I'm stressed about something in my life like my sense of creativity is completely gone like my ideation phase like my ability to generate new ideas new podcast topics to actually get excited about the show is just not there and I've just been in this place where there's so many things happening in my life so many beautiful and amazing things that I will 
get into in a second, but also some some new chapters, some things that are changing, some things that are closing out and some things that are ending that for me has just really exacerbated the feeling of stress. And as a result, I've just found myself like needing to take a break. And I always feel like with my body, I, you know, I, I come to these periods of times in my life where I want to keep going and keep going at the pace that I have been going at and even ramp up the pace a little bit. But my body's like, baby, no, 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 no. We got to take a little bit of break. Okay, you are burnt out. You are tired. You are exhausted. I'm going to need you to rest. And I think getting sick recently was that for me. I'm someone that doesn't typically get sick very often. And when I do, it just kind of hits. And it literally is something that stops me in my tracks. And it's really, really hard to function. I'm sure y'all know the experience of getting sick but I feel like getting sick recently for me was kind of like that reminder that yeah I am really exhausted I am really tired just from everything and I need to take a break so I even took some PTO days off for work this week just to literally like sit and chill and relax and vibe and basically do nothing so as I said I went to Denver this past week I was there for about five days and that was so much fun if you're from Denver or you live in Denver, hey girl, hey, hey boy, hey, what's poppin'? I was in your city, okay? <laughs> no, but Denver was such a fun trip. So unexpected. I've always said I wanted to visit Denver. Never knew why, never had a reason, like literally... Tell, tell me, tell me what I've seen about Denver that would make me be like, oh my God, I gotta go to visit Denver. But I don't know, I always wanted to go visit. So when the person that I've been seeing had a trip booked to Denver for work, I was like, hey, like you know, how about I tag along? How about I come with? How about I see what the vibes is in Denver? Because I've always wanted to go. And so we went to Denver, actually ended up meeting him there about like maybe a third of the way through his trip. And it was so, so much fun. I got to see him speak at a conference, which was super cool. I think just like, I don't know, it's always really cool seeing people that you care about do the things that they love and that they're passionate about and like really seeing them in their element and then in their zone is just such a privilege. So I'm really, really excited and happy that I got to to see that, got to be a part of that experience. And then we got to discover Denver together. Like we was eating good, y'all, okay? We was eating so good. And I feel like every single day was a new adventure for us food-wise. Like we're both really into food. So every single day it was like, okay, where are we going to do? Where are we going to go for breakfast? Like where are we going to go for lunch? Like what are we, what's the vibe for today? The weather was not the greatest, okay? But that being said, I thoroughly enjoyed my trip. But one thing, okay, Denver folk that I did not know about. And I feel like this has got to go on an ad somewhere about this city because we got there, right? And I remember the first, it was like one of the first nights there was like a moth in our room, like in our hotel room. And it was like really big, really huge. It ended up getting taken care of, right? But then I started to see more and more of these moths. And so we asked some folks who lived in the city, like, hey, what are these moths about? Like we're seeing them everywhere. They were like, apparently it's a, a migration or something that happens with the moths. Like it's the, it's the season of time, apparently from May to June, where these moths just come out and there's so many of them. They're everywhere in the city. Like you hear about like the mountains, you hear about like the the beer and the brewing and like all the things like the the red rocks and like all of these beautiful and amazing things about Denver. But ain't nobody talking about them moths. 
Okay, so if you plan a trip, baby, if you're going May to June time, beware, <laughs> beware, because they are very bold and they are they're ready to talk to you. Okay, they trying to talk, they trying to converse, they trying to make friends. And I was like, ooh, baby, one thing about me, I don't befriend the bugs, so I'm gonna need you to skedaddle <laughs> over there somewhere else. <laughs> okay, but it was an amazing trip. We went to the Red Rocks Amphitheater. So cool. It was like a rainy day when we end up going and. It actually was yesterday. Why am I saying it like it was five days ago? It was yesterday and we ended up wanting to like go there because that was a highlight of the trip and the weather wasn't like the greatest as we were there, but it was like, okay, this is our last day here. Like, let's just go. Oh my gosh. I am so, so happy we went. We got these amazing photos. Like we did a little bit of a mini hike and oh my God, there was one part where we had to like go from not the very bottom, but it was kind of like this bottom part area where the, the street was to all the way back up um, to one of the other entrances at the amphitheater. And when I tell you, Stairmasters ain't got nothing on them damn trails over there because I was like out of breath. I was literally wheezing and I'm sitting here and I'm like, I know I'm not out of shape. I go to the gym. I Listen, baby, the, the asthma got me, you know, a little crooked over here with the lungs these days, but, <laughs> but those stairs took me out. So literally on, what was it? June 1st. Okay. We go to a sports bar. Cause we're going to go, we were going to watch the, the heat and the nuggets game. Okay. Not the heats. I learned my lesson. It's the heat. Okay. And anyone out there listening who's a sports girly, I'm sorry. I added an S because I thought there were many of them. So it was plural, or at least the heat. So we're sat at the bar. And meanwhile, we had planned to go to a different bar that night to watch the game. But the one that we were intending to go to, there was a line around the corner for this bar. Folks were lined up. They were ready to go. We didn't know. We ain't from here. So we end up going to a different bar, sat down, we're chatting, whatever, whatever. And long story short, this man ends up asking me to be his girlfriend at this bar. <laughs> And it was done in like a really sweet way, um, taking into account some things that we talked about. And I was just, I was surprised, but also like I told him part of me was not because at first he goes, um, remember when you asked me to write you a poem? And I was like, yeah, like that was weeks ago. <laughs> Where's my poem? And so he's like, oh, I got the poem. And then so he starts off and I'm like, oh my God, what if he ends up, will you be my girlfriend at the end of this? And so in my head, I'm saying that to myself, but I'm also like, mm, no, like, it is what it is. Like, this poem's cute. Like, let's just listen. Let's tune in. Let's let's vibe. Let's be present. And literally, at the end of it, that's how it ends with him being, like, asking me to be his girlfriend. And it was such a cute moment, I think. We were having such a blast that day. Like, the whole trip was filled with, like, so much laughter, so much fun. Never a dull moment. <laughs> Never a dull moment, y'all. So that happened. And I was so excited. And then, like, after, like, we had the bartender just take pictures of us. And then we were sending it to like our friends and family, like we're official now, like we're official. So it was super, super, super cute and just done in like a really special way, um, which is like the words that were said. I'm like really big on words, obviously actions too, you know, but that was just really sweet, totally fun trip. And, you know, yeah, like just so many memories, so many photos, like we took pictures everywhere. We went to the museum, we went to, I forget where else we went y'all, but we, we just explored like downtown Denver area and it was it was really fun but I'm super excited to be back in Dallas though and just kind of like be back in like my own space I feel like this year I have not 
spent a ton of time at my apartment at my home at all and it's like just being here is such a privilege like this is such a beautiful space that I manifested that I have curated and created and really put a lot of like my soul and my creativity into and so many things have been born in this space so many versions of myself have been created in this space and so you know I I really want to honor it before I leave and I remember telling y'all like I was on this journey to purchase a home this year. So I ended up actually deciding not to do that. And, you know, I have a couple of different reasons why, but I decided not to do that. But instead I am moving. So in the whole journey of me being like, okay, if I'm not going to purchase a home, like maybe I will like move into a different apartment. Part of that reasoning was to lower my housing costs, like lower my rent. And I ended up going looking and touring a couple of different places, fell in love with this beautiful townhouse that would be for rent. I'm super excited because I'm moving in August. And I feel like now that I know that it's giving me like an extra, I don't know, like an extra reason to really like sit in this space and honor this space for what it is, honor the memories that I've created here, honor you know, just like, again, being in this space, existing here, having manifested this amazing place. And I am so grateful because I applied for the place on the new moon. So it was the new moon in Taurus. And I think it was in Taurus. And was it in Taurus? Girl. Anyways, I applied for this apartment on the new moon. And I remember I was on a work trip. I was in Puerto Rico when I applied, but I was like at the table with my team and I ended up getting a text from like the leasing guy. And he's like, hey, we have this unit available. It's going to be available in August. And it was actually their two bedroom, 2.5 bath. And that was the one that I didn't want. I wanted the two bedroom, two bath uh, layout because it just fit way better with what I was looking for. And it was just like more of my vibe. So I was like, hey, you know, I'm like, this is amazing. But I really, really want that two bedroom, two bath layout. And there was this one particular layout that I wanted because they have a couple two bedroom, two baths. But there was one particular layout that I wanted. And I remember the woman telling me like, you know, it might be kind of hard to get this one because there's only a few of them on the property and they're all rented out right now. And she's like, I don't know if anyone's going to turn and notice to leave because like the people that have been living in these particular ones have been there for a minute. So I was like, okay, well, if I don't get like that one, I was like, I'll take the the very similar one to that, right? Which wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was like really, really nice still, gorgeous. It would just have like less windows essentially. I literally text this guy back. I'm like, hey, no, I'm so sorry. I'm like really looking for this one. Why this man texting me back talking about, oh my God, like we actually just had someone turn and notice this one is available on this day. Um, it would be this price. And I immediately, I was like, guys, <laughs> I remember telling my team, I'm like, I have to run upstairs for a little bit. Like, I literally need to go apply for this apartment right now. So I ended up applying, paid all the deposits, did all the things. Like, there was so much, like, initial paperwork as, you know, you know how it is, like, applying for an apartment. And I ended up getting... Um, the notice I forget what day it was it was like maybe maybe a week later because I remember my friend Tanya was in town visiting me and I remember we were on the couch and I opened my email and I see there's an email from them and they're like hey um, your application has been approved so I am super excited because for me like that is so representative of another up level in my life. I've noticed in particular with myself that whenever I've had the urge, the inclination 
and the intuitive nudge to change my environment. And it feels so scary to do so because it feels like I'm taking a leap in so many ways. And I do that. I personally notice that it leads to so many other open doors in my life. Like I feel like it's a catalyst for growth in so many ways. And so when this opportunity came up, when I when I like took that first step into that townhome, when I went to visit, I was like, I have to live here. Like I just, I really just felt it. I knew the energy felt right. It felt so kismet. Like there were so many synchronicities on my tour with me and the tour person. Like so, so, so many things. And I remember um, taking my, well, not my partner. <laughs> At the time he was not my partner, but I remember taking him to tour the townhouse too. Like we went back and I was like, hey, like come see this with me. And we went back and toured it. And literally he walks in and I think it was like on the second or third floor because it, it's like a multi-level townhome. And he, like one of the floors that we're on, he was like, this is gorgeous he was like this is so perfect for you he's like I see why you love it it's so perfect for you and so I don't know that was such beautiful affirmation and so getting approved for that allowing myself to leave this apartment which I I love it so much here this neighborhood the the staff here this apartment it's so quiet it's so amazing it has been so worth the money to have peace of mind to feel safe to feel truly at home like I feel like I really didn't feel like Dallas was home home until I moved here and that's when I could really allow myself to settle in to decorate to 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 really like find my tribe and find my way in the way that felt really right to me it happened in this apartment and so this apartment just symbolizes so many things for me so many just so many things in so many ways and I am truly truly so grateful to have had this experience here and I will soak up my last two months in this place and I'm really grateful for the next place that I go to because that place is a step up in so many ways and you know it's not a home it's not like I own it but I think that even if you are not buying a home like you know in this day and age like being able to live in an apartment whether it's by yourself or with roommates being able to be independent in that way it's such a big thing like it's such a privilege for one but it's also huge and so if you're like my age or maybe you're a little bit younger or even a bit older and maybe you don't have a home and you know you don't own a home like don't allow society to make you feel like shit because you're like still renting there's so many pros to renting we're all creating generational wealth and we're all creating like our own realities in different ways and there's just multiple paths to whatever goals that we have and we all also have different goals right so maybe it isn't your goal to own a home home here in the U.S. or own a home at all and so don't allow you know society and societal pressures to get to you in that way because I feel like for a minute I did and when I'd made the decision to no longer buy a home this year I kind of felt like like I felt so much shame around it and I, I at first like didn't even want to talk about it in the podcast I was like oh my god like why did I tell them I was buying a house and now look at this but I do think that it is the best decision for me at this time it feels very aligned it feels like this is not rushed it feels like things have fallen into place in such a beautiful beautiful way that I could never have orchestrated like if you would have told me when I made that episode back in like what was the end of March when things ended with the last person and I was just kind of like oh my god like you know the apps and yada yada that I'd be in a relationship with someone who is quite literally such an amazing person such an amazing soul that I feel so aligned with like I 
I would have been like, how, how, how does that happen? Or if you would have told me that I would have found this place and be moving into this new space, that's such an, it's, it's still, you know, such a beautiful representation of everything I've ever wanted in a home and an upgrade at that from where I am now. I, and at such a good price as well, I would not have believed you. And so I think that there is so much to be said here about, you know, putting what you want out there in the universe, allowing yourself to make a aligned decisions, take aligned actions and really follow your gut because I was led to everything that I'm talking about in this episode because I followed my gut. I followed my gut when I was like, oh, you know what? Let me actually go tour this place today. I followed my gut when I walked in. I was like, this feels right. This feels like home. I think I should apply. No, it feels crazy. Well, let's go ahead and do this. I followed my gut when I ended up like matching with this person on Hinge and talking to them. And I followed my gut when even though it seemed like maybe this this wasn't the best time we ended up like meeting up for pizza and having an amazing day and just like pretty much spending every day together since then so it's so many of those moments where I feel like looking back I can see wow I really trusted myself in those moments and it's led me to where I am now but I also just feel like it's such a good reminder and we talk about intuition a lot on the show about like how to actually listen to your intuition, how to actually follow your gut. It's in those little moments. It's in those moments where you listen and something works out and then you can actually look back and be like, oh, wow, when I listen to my gut, good things happen. When I listen to my gut, things work out. When I listen to my gut, I'm led to the people and the places and the opportunities that are right for me. And so I'm in this transitionary phase right now also with a lot of things in just like my career life and my career world. And it feels really scary just kind of with everything going on. Like you go on LinkedIn and, you know, or even like you talk to people and you hear a lot of people are being laid off in the Uber this morning coming to the airport there. The Uber driver was like telling us about just like the homeless population in Denver. And you hear just so many stories about people who are in really bad situations, like losing their job or not having enough and not being in that abundant place. And it kind of makes you want to lean into fear a bit more. And so it, it really is about kind of having that faith and having that trust and allowing yourself to lean into that more than you lean into the fear. I literally have a tattoo that says your faith must be greater than your fear. And I truly believe that. Like your faith has to be greater than your fear in order for you to manifest and create the life that you want. So that's where I am I'm super excited. Just really been in a period of rest right now. I've just been taking a break from social media, taking a break from things and honoring that call. I feel really good about it. I feel really, really good about it. The last piece I want to mention is I'm still working on the planner. We're actually finalizing the design sometime this week and they will be off to the printers very, very soon and available before Black Friday. So I'll give you all, all the tea on it. I'll obviously be creating some content for it and pictures and everything. Like everything will be on the site and I will talk about it on this podcast as well when the planners are ready. But I remember getting the most updated design the other day and looking through it and just being so in awe of this like I don't know there's just something about taking an idea from an idea in your head and bringing it to life in that process like all the work and the the just like the back and forth and like the money and the time and the energy involved and being able to be like wow like this is something that was once an idea that is actually a thing and it's not fully fully a thing yet because I gotta get the actual printed copies of the planners but I'm just so excited for that and that is something I've been working on in the meantime in the background and hopefully when it's launched y'all 
will like it and will support and will grab it especially if you're like a planner user and you've been looking for a planner that really incorporates a lot of the manifestation scripting um spiritual practices with also the grounded goal setting the habit tracking all of that stuff as well so oh this has been quite the intro you know i have a tendency to chat it up but i really do want to get into today's guest episode i think y'all will love this one as i said before i'm chatting with melissa basie melissa is a psychologist based in Alberta, Canada. And on this episode, we're just chatting about law of assumption. We're chatting about law of assumption as it relates to attachment theory as well. This is a really interesting conversation because Melissa and I don't have the exact same beliefs, but I really wanted to bring her on to show y'all and to, I guess, like be a really good example of someone who has a different approach to manifesting her dream life. So if you're someone that kind of leans more towards how Melissa sees the world, you kind of have that representation there but this is an amazing episode as i said all of the links for melissa will be down in the show notes as per usual thank y'all so much for listening to the intro for catching up with me i feel like i was just like spilling tea with a friend girl okay we was having a little tea i got my water right here though because baby you know on the days you travel you gotta make sure you sipping your water make sure you stay hydrated because one thing about that plane it gonna dehydrate you honey it gonna take all that water right out you let's go ahead grab our snacks i'm gonna grab a snack to edit this grab our snacks grab our no tequila no tequila i had enough tequila on my trip to sustain me for the rest for the for the next like three to five months okay let's grab some water okay let's grab us let's grab a liquid iv uh-huh and let's tune in to this chat with melissa basie Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Manifest Daily. How is your Wednesday going? Oh, it's going so great. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I'm excited to dive in because we're getting into all things attachment theory. We're talking about law of assumption, which I am so fascinated by. And I know we're going to get into that as well. So before we dive into like, I guess the meat of this conversation, I would love if you can give us a bit of an intro. So tell us about who you are, what you do and what brought you to this line of work. Okay. So my name is Melissa Basie. I'm a registered psychologist and I've been licensed for eight years. Um, I love all things attachment theory, like you were saying. So that's really my primary focus in my private practice is attachment-based therapy. And then I also love Neville Goddard and all things law of assumption. So I do try to work that into my therapy as much as I can, but, um, I've found that I really need to go the coaching route in order to fully be expressive in the law of assumption. So that's more the direction that I am taking now is, a coaching career path. Okay, that's so interesting. One, obviously the attachment theory stuff, which we're going to dive into in a minute, but also Neville Goddard. I actually have a book um, by him. Oh my gosh, The Power of Imagination in my buffet right now. I have yet to read it, but I promise you I'll get to it. (laughs) But I'm sure, have you read that one? Yep, so good. Okay, one of your favorites, I'm assuming? Uh, No. I don't really have a favorite of Neville Goddard. It's all, it's all very repetitive. So it all kind of says the same thing only in different words. So if you can't understand it one way, then he says it in another way. So that's what I love so much about Neville Goddard. But 
when he talks about the imagination, what I love about the imagination is not only does it create our reality, but it also regulates our nervous system to be able to go into your imagination and to visualize things as you want them to be can bring safety and connection to your nervous system, which then can calm you down or make you feel better depending on what you're needing. If you're feeling highly anxious, then the imagination can calm you down. If you're feeling a little low or depressed, the imagination can bring you up. So that's what I love about the imagination. Yeah, it's giving me similar vibes as when we talk about meditation, right? And kind of just I and I know we can we can look at those as two different um definitions are two different things but again it's just giving that similar vibe of like really using your mindset and using your mindset to help regulate any sort of physical issues that you're having or just kind of helping to like you said bring you into that safe space to know that whatever it is that you're manifesting is not only possible but like within your realm of i guess i guess possibilities yes yes (laughs) exactly yes i love neville such a fan So let's talk a bit about attachment theory. What is attachment theory and why is it so important for us to understand? Okay, so attachment theory talks about how we attach to others. And oftentimes, attachment theory says that how we learned how to attach in childhood is what predicts how we attach in adulthood. Now studies are showing that our attachment style isn't always dependent on our childhood and adult traumas can even impact our attachment style. So there are two main types of attachment styles. There's an insecure attachment style and a secure attachment style. And under the insecure attachment style falls three subcategories. They're called anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. So an anxious attachment style is what it sounds like. It's somebody who feels um, abandoned a lot. They feel sometimes like, or they're, they're told that they're needy or desperate. So that's kind of the anxious attachment style. The avoidant attachment style is also how it sounds. And it's just pulling back from connection, disengaging, shutting off, numbing. And then the disorganized attachment style is a mixture of both of the other two attachments. And that usually occurs due to a highly abusive environment growing up. Okay, so I've definitely heard of these attachment styles. And to your point, from what I've heard about them or from what I've learned, attachment styles are based on those childhood attachments and sort of how your caregiver responded to you in the very early days of your childhood. But I love that the research is coming about that those styles can change and sort of develop from the adult traumas. I actually had an episode where I talked about attachment styles and attachment theory. And I talked about how I'm pretty sure my attachment style changed throughout my process of being single and dating in a new city and just sort of the different traumas that I've faced through dating and, you know, ghosting and miscommunications and all these different things. So I'm really curious, how can we, I guess, understand the different scenarios where attachment styles can change based on our experiences as adults? Like what are a couple other examples of traumatic events that you may face in adulthood? that would affect your attachment style or cause it to change into possibly another insecure or possibly even a a secure attachment style? For sure. So an example of it changing would be 
say somebody grows up with a secure attachment style, but somehow they find themselves in an abusive relationship in their adult life, that could cause them to go into a more disorganized attachment style based on what they experienced as an adult. Also, if somebody has an insecure attachment style, so if they're anxious, avoidant, or disorganized growing up, if they get into a relationship with a secure person, they can also be brought up to a secure attachment as well. And those are just a couple of examples. Um, sometimes somebody can show up in one relationship as anxious, and that exact same person can show up in another relationship as avoidant, just depending on what their partner is bringing to the table. About a year ago, I wanted to elevate my health and wellness journey. I was so tired of taking all these different supplements every single day. So instead of adding more, I decided I wanted to simplify and try AG1. It's one of the best decisions I made in 2023. I now feel more energized and mentally clear daily. My skin has even more of a healthy and brighter glow and my digestion has improved. Like I said, I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted to simplify my supplements. I wanted a single solution to support my entire body, my gut, and my brain health. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've noticed that I feel a boost in energy, not just in the morning when I take it, but throughout my entire day. I used to rely on caffeinated pre-workouts, if you know, you know, but when I cut those out, I struggled with grogginess. Adding an AG1 in the morning covers my bases with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and ingredients like pre and probiotics, adaptogens, antioxidants, and whole food source nutrients. My favorite part of AG1? It's just one scoop. One scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. I love to add in a squeeze of half a lemon, a few drops of AG1's vitamin D3K2, and three ice cubes, approximately three ice cubes every single morning into my glass as well. This is a partnership made in heaven because AG1 is the supplement that I trust and have trusted since 2023 to provide the support that my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash manifest daily. That's drinkag1.com slash manifest daily. Check it out. So interesting because then it really brings to the forefront that it's not just how you are right in a relationship, but it's, I guess, how your partner is responding to you and I guess what you're doing. So when it comes to someone who has possibly that insecure attachment style that gets into a relationship with someone who has more of a secure attachment style, and we're looking at this example where they could be brought up to that secure attachment style as well. Is that, in your experience, a triggering relationship for someone who is insecure if they're with someone who's secure? Or is it something where they'll automatically feel safe and secure. Yes. So it could be very triggering for somebody who's got an insecure style to be dating or be with a securely attached person. And that would be different in every situation. If you've got an anxious person who's going to date a secure person, what can happen is the anxious person can feel very bored and a lack of chemistry and really just feeling like this isn't my person. They kind of crave a little bit more excitement, a little bit more push-pull dynamic. 
With somebody who's unavoidant, they might feel triggered by a secure person because that secure person is going to show up with healthy communication patterns and really expect the same thing out of their partner. And the avoidant will feel less than and unworthy because they're not meeting the standard. And then a disorganized person could feel both of those issues, feeling bored and also not feeling good enough dating a secure person. So definitely it can have an impact, but it also can be that a secure person brings an insecure person up to secure attachment. That happens just as often. And I suppose in that case, it would be the insecure person needing to be self-aware enough about their attachment style to sort of understand, number one, when they're being triggered by the secure person's attachment style, but then two, to not necessarily lead into old patterning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's super important to be carrying around that self-awareness and constantly be working on becoming a more securely attached person through that through self-work. And um, like you said, through self-awareness and becoming your own secure base, you can become a securely attached person if you're an insecurely attached person. So is that, I suppose, like, obviously you can do this work with a licensed therapist or a psychologist, right? But if you're someone who may not have access to those resources and you're sort of starting to do this work with yourself initially, is that kind of the first step you would say is like, one, that self-awareness, right? But then figuring out when you're being triggered and then sort of finding a secure response to that trigger versus again leaning back into old patterns and that would be how one would work towards a secure attachment style yeah exactly that's exactly what somebody would do but the only downside with that is sometimes people can have blind spots around where their own issues are and there's really nothing you can do about that because you don't know what you don't know So that's where it's helpful to have a therapist or some sort of resource that can mirror back to you what's going on. Because, for example, if you take an anxiously attached person who is in a relationship with a securely attached person, they could easily just be like, oh, this this person isn't for me. He's not he or she's not my person. And without somebody mirroring back, like, are you sure? Because this person really checks all the boxes and (laughs) and whatever other reasons, just having that mirror back is pretty helpful to have. So it, it is recommended in the attachment worlds that you do find something or someone to be able to help you shift into a secure attachment. However, there there are great books out there that can do that. There are, I mean, I have a course that helps people do that. So there's different resources and options for people to become securely attached. Okay, that makes a ton of sense. So I guess I'm curious as well, how modern media and modern dating as well, since that you know, it's the topic I brought up earlier, how they perpetuate non-secure attachment styles. So how do we avoid becoming affected by these mediums, especially if we are consistently participating in them? Yeah, those mediums can definitely desensitize a person and make a person feel like it's pretty hopeless. As I've heard a study say that Um, there's an unusually high population of anxious and avoidantly attached people on dating apps. Unfortunately, I can't quote 
yeah, I, I can't quote the exact study. So I, I just want to kind of give that disclaimer. I'm not sure which study it is. Um, but maybe on Google, <laughs> we could find out. Um, but yeah, so there is that pop, that higher population on the dating apps that say so, say that, you know, you're going to encounter an insecurely attached person in a more likely fashion. And I think that's tough because, you know, if you are someone that maybe is naturally secure or you are in a place where you're, you know, you have that secure attachment style, but you want to date and you're in a place where, again, you have a higher chance of encountering someone with an insecure style, who's to say that can affect your attachment style and kind of bring you into an insecure space because of the relationship that you may have with anyone that you meet on there. So it's really tough, but I do think that's where, again, like we've mentioned several times now, the the self-awareness comes into play. And I think, you know, it's really important too when you're going on like apps or in, like in any of these specific spaces where you might encounter someone who's insecure that you have that self-awareness and you can kind of return to like, who am I, right? Like without any additional, I guess, interactions with the other, like who am I and what do I know about myself and my truth? Mm, I love that. That's such a good, good starting point for that self-awareness that's needed to identify if attachment or insecure attachment is at play, for sure. Absolutely. So I want to kind of switch gears a bit and dive into the law of assumption. So before we kind of get into like the meat of that conversation, what exactly is the law of assumption? So the law of assumption says that our reality is created based on our own assumptions. The law of assumption is comes from Neville Goddard, who says that we are the God of our own reality. And he speaks about consciousness being God because he says the definition of God is creator. And Neville says that our consciousness is what creates. So what I love about the law of assumption is that nothing's off limits. Nothing's out of bounds. Whereas the law of attraction, things are off limits. Things are out of bounds because it talks about co-creation where we are creating with other people's free wills. Whereas Neville Goddard would say other people don't have free will. We are the operant power in our reality and everything is playing out according to our own assumptions. So would we say almost in understanding the law of assumption, there is an assumption that we are, I guess, like the main character, if you will, and that everyone else existing in our reality are just like side characters or, or they're not the main character, but we are. And so again, like kind of reiterating what you said, there is no free will with the other, but we are the only ones with the free will. Is that a good understanding? Exactly. That's exactly right. Yep. It, Neville talks about it being like a play and all of the other people in our lives are characters in the play, but we're the writer, producer, executive, whatever. <laughs> like we are the ones who put the play together. So that's very interesting, especially as you mentioned the law of attraction, right? And that subtle difference between the law of attraction and the law of assumption, which thank you for that um, differentiation there. I'm really curious then, um, and if you don't mind ask or me asking this question, like whether or not you believe in a higher power and whether or not in the law of assumption, a higher power would be considered a 
co-creator that doesn't necessarily exist. Hmm. Can you say that last part again about the co-creator that doesn't necessarily exist? Yeah. So I guess, again, like whether or not you believe in the a higher power, but in, if you do or if you don't, would the law of assumption assume that a co-creator doesn't exist? Because essentially a co-creator would be something or someone or some force that could possibly prevent you from calling in something at a certain time if it's not in your divine timeline, right? So if we're talking about God, if you want to manifest love, for example, or if you want to manifest a relationship and there's someone that God has in store for you that is supposed to come in in three years and maybe it's just not your time. So you're trying to manifest this thing. Would the law of assumption assume there is no God because there should be no power stopping you from calling in love whenever you want it? Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. And so in terms of do I believe in a higher power? Well, Neville talks about kind of like a, a an intelligence that's able to piece everything together that we aren't able to see in our human form. So if that would be the higher power, then yes, I would say I believe in that. Um, but that intelligence is always taking its cues from us. So I don't believe it's even possible for there to be like an external God that says, you know, in three years, you're destined to be with this person. That would be an aspect of self that believes that it's going to take three years to manifest the love of our life. And if it's an aspect of self that believes that, then other aspect of self can come in and say, you know, I'd really like a relationship sooner than three years. And that, if that aspect of self is louder and has more of an imprint on creation, then that's what's going to happen. You're going to be able to manifest the love of your life much sooner than three years. So how then do we explain? So I guess, okay, so now we have this aspect of self that holds a possible belief that something isn't possible in the timeline until x y and z happens whatever that definition may be right for someone who maybe is attempting to manifest something they're not getting that thing right we could say maybe there's some subconscious belief about what needs to happen first and they're possibly attributing that to a divine timeline or divine um co-creator what then in Neville and like your belief, what is the process of removing that block in order to bring that thing into our lives if we're not sure what the block is? Mm. Yeah, so there would be a few things to look at to find that block. But yes, it's going to be an underlying assumption of probably worthiness or some sort of fear of abandonment, betrayal or something along those lines. And so there are a few different ways in psychology that we would be able to figure that out and piece that together. So doing attachment work is one way. Another way is doing parts work. And I'm not sure, are you familiar with parts work at all? Internal family systems? No. Okay. So internal family systems is what came up with what's called parts work. And parts work is just identifying the different parts of us that reside inside of us, getting to know those parts and um, bringing lots of love and leadership to those parts in order to help get them to a more comfortable place where we can live more comfortably. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm. No, yeah. So it's almost like, get, like you said, getting to know those parts of yourself. Is it in some way similar to if we can talk about, I guess, like inner child work and like reparenting in some ways? It, it sort of uh-huh. reminds me of that. Okay. Is that very a similar- much so? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So I am familiar with that and sort of like you know even when we talk about the discussion of worthiness or any of that kind of stuff, like if you have that subconscious belief that maybe you aren't worthy of a certain thing, right? And having to sort of do that reparenting work. Um, It's funny, I was having a conversation like a couple days ago about this. And one of the things that I said was that, you know, as much as I love my parents and they did the best that they could, right, with what they knew, I often wish that when I was younger, I was instilled with more of a belief that I could have anything or experience anything that I want. Because I think there are people that grow up in very privileged upbringings. And as a result, they sort of have this innate understanding that they could have anything they want because that's what they were shown, right? If you if you want this, if you want this material thing or this experience, like you will have it versus some people that don't grow up with that uh, childhood. And so they want for something and naturally they think it's gonna be hard to get it. They think that it's gonna take work, which I do believe in hard work, but they have this sort of block that makes them feel like it's just not going to happen for them. So when we talk about something like that, what is part of the process of reparenting oneself or sort of doing the work to to become uh, aware of your worth and to really understand at a deep core level that you are worthy of the things that you want to experience? Mm, such a good question. It's deep too. And it really is individual. It Every person kind of comes in with something different that originates their underlying trauma that can block them from being able to manifest. And so it can be a core belief that is generational. It can be something that is learned. It can be so many things. So it really is up to the individual to be able to go in deep, be self-reflective, maybe talk to somebody who can help draw it out of them, what it is specifically for them. Because that's what I've noticed about people is everybody has their individual re- like blocks to manifesting. I haven't necessarily found a pattern to it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wish I could give you kind of a formula for how we can get no, to those no, core that makes beliefs. Sense. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense because again, we're all having incredibly unique experiences, right? And even if you look at like a um a home with like, you know, we can talk about like twins who maybe they're like identical twins or whatever and they have the same parents and they grew up with a lot of the same experiences one twin can grow up so completely different in terms of personality and perception of the world than the other. And it's not to say they had different environments, but it's their response to that environment that sort of created the different outcomes. So totally understand that that can also affect, yeah, like our our blocks and sort of how we perceive those blocks. So I want to tie this back to Uh, attachment theory and kind of understand your way of piecing this together. So how do you kind of put the law of assumption and attachment theory together? And then how does that affect the work that you do with clients and sort of the way that you approach this work that we've talked about?
About a year ago, I wanted to elevate my health and wellness journey. I was so tired of taking all these different supplements every single day. So instead of adding more, I decided I wanted to simplify and try AG1. It's one of the best decisions I made in 2023. I now feel more energized and mentally clear daily. My skin has even more of a healthy and brighter glow and my digestion has improved. Like I said, I first gave AG1 a try because I wanted to simplify my supplements. I wanted a single solution to support my entire body, my gut, and my brain health. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've noticed that I feel a boost in energy, not just in the morning when I take it, but throughout my entire day. I used to rely on caffeinated pre-workouts, if you know, you know, but when I cut those out, I struggled with grogginess. Adding an AG1 in the morning covers my bases with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, and ingredients like pre and probiotics, adaptogens, antioxidants, and whole food source nutrients. My favorite part of AG1? It's just one scoop, one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. I love to add in a squeeze of half a lemon, a few drops of AG1's vitamin D3K2, and three ice cubes, approximately three ice cubes every single morning into my glass as well. This is a partnership made in heaven because AG1 is the supplement that I trust and have trusted since 2023 to provide the support that my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash manifest daily. That's drinkag1.com slash manifest daily. Check it out. So what's really interesting is that people's attachment styles can impact their ability to manifest and based on their attachment style can be predictive of how they are trying to manifest and where they are unable to get their manifestations to be pushed through. So an anxious person might have a hard time trusting and believing that it's possible for them. An avoidant person might be withdrawn and numb and unable to tune into a visualization that helps them create their next thing. And a disorganized person would be experiencing pieces of both the anxious and the avoidant. So an attachment style is, can be predictive of how people manifest. And an attachment style can also help us decide where we're going to start the healing journey and what needs to be done. So I find that law of attraction and attachment work really does, or sorry, law of assumption and attachment work really does go hand in hand. And I also want to say I'm not totally against law of attraction. Law of attraction is where I started, but learning about law of assumption afterwards, it just, I was sold on it. That was, for me, that was it. That made so much sense to me. No, and I, I no, I have no hate for law of attraction. I, I also started with understanding that and kind of where I think a lot of people start with like reading the secret or watching the secret and that kind of thing. But I think, you know, that's part of like the journey is figuring out what resonates with you past that. And I think for a lot of people, they get to a place where maybe they're like, okay, the law of attraction is, I, I feel like it is incredibly simplistic and it kind of takes a lot of nuance out of life and situations and our individual experiences and sort of bottles it into this one understanding and to your point of you know even when you're like i can't 
tell you the formula because it's it's a it's one size it's not one size fits all it's it's very individualized i think the law of attraction um sort of tries to make it <laughs> one size fits all and that's not always accurate yeah so yeah i so bring it back to i guess our understanding of the attachment styles and how they affect one's ability to successfully manifest when we think about and, and you know there are these examples of people who are incredibly successful by what we societally deem as success right so maybe a lot of money material things they have a relationship they have whatever we don't know how good the relationship is but they have all these things seemingly right and then they have um maybe this person is what one may possibly label a narcissist or possibly like a, a psychopath or something how do we then explain situations where someone is maybe at their core possibly experiencing an insecure attachment style but then also at the same time experiencing all of this outward success because it kind of seems contradictory mm. so they're having a bunch of success but in their relationship in their love life they're not doing so well is that what you mean yeah, like they're they're having all the success, but you know maybe they, like you said, like they're they're not um, securely. They don't have a secure attachment style. Because if we're saying that anxious or avoidant, um, maybe struggle a bit more with manifestation. If someone has that attachment style, but they're experiencing all of this outward success, what could we possibly attribute that to? But they're not having success in in the area of relationship. Is that right? Yeah. So like maybe they have, they're in a relationship, but like on the outside, it could look great. But when you're, if you're like a fly on the wall in their home, it's like, oh, actually not so great at home. Yeah. So that could be attributed to either traumas that happened in their adult life or traumas that happened in childhood. Um, but if they're able to manifest in other areas of their life but the one area of their life they're unable to manifest that also makes perfect sense because like we talked about earlier there is no one size fits all so some people can they manifest like crazy in some areas of their life but in other areas of their life they really really struggle and so that's where we would need to look at those individual emotional mental blocks that are tripping them up and stopping them from getting what they want yeah, so it's almost like instead of having, you know, a crazy ton of success in one area and struggling in, in the other, we're trying to create more of a holistic um, experience of success in all areas that we find important in our lives. Yes, exactly. That's so well said. Like a holistic experience is really, really key in just experiencing a peaceful, joyful life for sure. So I know we can't do one size fits all, but how can we start to understand maybe some of the assumptions that we have about how we will receive love? And then how can we start to address some of those assumptions and possibly change them again, related to our worthiness in a way? Yeah. So what we can do is look at our fears. Our fears are going to show us what our assumptions are. And then what we can do is work around where did those fears originate? Where did they come from? Because when those fears are being activated, it's not the actual activating event that's causing 
the problem. It's the underlying place that the fear originated that needs to be healed, needs to be dealt with. And we can do that with parts work or inner child work, just depending on if it's an adult trauma or childhood trauma. We can kind of decide from there what needs to be done to remedy that pain and that fear. But fear is always going to show us where our blocks are. Mm -hmm. So if you're experiencing anything in life and you're possibly afraid of something either happening or not happening, that would be a place where you'd want to examine why am I feeling this fear? Is it like, was there a specific event that I experienced that makes me have this fear, that kind of thing? Yes, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And that is a little bit more one size fits all, like figuring out where your blocks are. All you have to do is just identify where your fears are and your fears will show you where your blocks are. I'm so curious. I would love to know, do you have a theory on fear of success? This is something I've been having so many conversations with friends about lately. Do you have like your own personal theory about what that um, may stem from or anything like that? Hmm. I've never resonated with the term fear of success. I've never really quite understood it. Um, I think that fear of success is really a surface way of looking at whatever is going on for the person. I don't know that people necessarily fear success, but they might fear what comes with the success, like the responsibility. So that might be what the fear of success would be about, but I, but fear of actual success, what do you think? What do you think about fear of success? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think whenever I think about that, I think it's sort of like a, again, back to the, the one size fits all, but it's sort of like a blanket term the way I see it. And so kind of like you said, you can dive a bit deeper. And is it like fear of, you know, what happens if you, okay, for example, like if you believe that if you become successful, you'll make a lot of money, but then you have this fear of like people either reaching out to you and asking you for money or just using you for your money or I don't know, those kinds of things. Like that could be like, you're afraid of becoming quote unquote successful because you're afraid of what happens after that. Or I've also really been, uh, kind of having discussions about the fear of being seen. That's another one too, I think, right? When we talk about success is like all of these eyes on you, right? And what does that mean? Does that mean that now you're afraid of judgment from a larger group of people or you're afraid of people really seeing you for who you are and maybe you don't accept yourself. So it's this fear, like, so I think I can, you can dissect it a bit more. Um, but yeah, so those are a couple ones that I've just been thinking about. And I'm like that those are really interesting ones. I love that. Yeah, the fear of being seen would definitely also be an underpinning of fear of success. Absolutely. That one is really common too. So mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. And I and it makes sense too, because you see, like, for example, if you see people in the spotlight, right, and you see, like, especially with social media, the, um, a lot of people who might go online and want to tear someone down or, like, say mean things. And so naturally, you're like, oh, God, if I, if I'm, like, in the spotlight, are people going to be mean to me? Am I going to get these comments or whatever the case is? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Fear of being seen is such a real fear and so many people deal with it. And that has its own roots in childhood issues, but can also be adulthood trauma as well. Being seen can be a very, um, it can really rattle our sense of safety. So it's interesting. 
For someone who has that fear, what are some things that may have popped up in childhood to sort of lead to a fear of being seen? So there can be a whole variety of things, but oftentimes the biggest thing that happens is when somebody is seen, they're punished. So when somebody's in sight, they are abused or taken advantage of or any number of things. But you know, having the experience of being seen and then being seen leading to a negative experience, we can often say, well, if we wouldn't have been seen, then that wouldn't have happened. So now I need to not be seen anymore. That sounds incredibly, obviously traumatizing. And that would make sense why you would want to not be seen. It's kind of like sort of hiding in the shadows and in order to feel safe. So I'd love to know what are some of your favorite examples of law of assumption, either maybe in your life or um, possibly any client stories that you have permission to share? Mm. Well, you know what? I see it across the board. Like in my life, I was able to manifest my student loan debt being gone like overnight. That was probably one of my biggest manifestations. Um, but with clients, um, oh man, they manifest anything from like a pregnancy when they've been struggling and trying for so long. Um, clients coming in with an anxious or avoidant attachment style, struggling in relationships their entire life, and then getting into a really securely attached relationship where they're able to set out a course that is completely different than the old life that they used to have. So it it's really endless, the stories. You know, you hear the stories really everywhere about, oh, I manifested this, I manifested that. It's true. <laughs> I've seen it firsthand. When people say they've manifested amazing things, it is true. And I like to practice manifesting just on a really small scale on as much of a daily basis as I possibly can so that I can constantly be in the habit of looking for miracles. Because if I can manifest the small things, I can manifest the big things. And the big things, you know, Abraham Hicks talks about the big things being just as easy as the small things. We just have to get ourselves out of the way. And I think that the way to get yourself out of the way is to allow yourself to manifest like all green lights, best parking spots, free cup of coffee, all the small things that aren't very usual. Having those unusual daily experiences lets us believe in unusual big life experiences to come through for us. So yeah, I think it's pretty amazing, especially when you do the underlying work to remove the blocks. Once people remove their emotional blocks, their traumas, they're manifesting powerhouses. So that, yeah, yeah. So it is so fun to watch everybody's individual manifesting journey, but all the stories that you hear about manifesting, like I manifested this, I manifested that. It's like, yep, of course you did. <laughs> I see it all the time. I love that. And I, I definitely agree with kind of like looking for those, um, those little miracles every day, right? And even just like waking up every day with the belief that like, today could be the day like like literally anything can happen on any day right and so when we talk about like the day that someone's life changed and it was this amazing miraculous day like that was just a tuesday or that was just a wednesday like i'm sure they woke up and didn't realize 
what was coming. And so it's kind of like always being in this space of like expecting good things, right? And expecting miracles to happen. So I, I love that. That was so beautifully said. Thank you. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. And one other thing I actually have before we kind of head into our, our wrap up section here, but when we talk about uh, the law of assumption and we talk about kind of like, you know, the, the expectations of um, miracles and expecting beautiful things and, and sort of when people are manifesting, let's say, for example, going back to the relationships, right? And someone who is manifesting and calling in the secure, healthy, beautiful relationship, do you often talk to your clients about, I guess, in some ways, like both energetically and physically closing off or imagining the closing off of the possibility of anything else, if that makes sense? So like, you know, any sort of toxic relationship or any sort of toxic situation, like it's just not even in your realm of possibilities because it's not something that you know you deserve is that part of your process as well like getting them to cut off anything that isn't their manifestation yeah and also like energetically cutting it off so being like i'm not even available for this like i'm not even like there's do you know what i mean like just like energetically being like that's not something that should or could come to me I certainly encourage my clients to cut off anything that is not their full manifestation. But I also know that if it's sticky for them, like um, if they are in a hot and cold relationship and it's not seeming to budge, should they get out of it be, and not accept breadcrumbs? I would say yes, because accepting breadcrumbs is showing that your belief systems about yourself haven't changed. However, if you don't want to get out of that relationship, I don't believe in pushing people and forcing people to do things they don't want to do. So if they're truly not ready to get out of that relationship, then we have more psychological work to do together to get them prepped and ready to want to leave a situation that isn't their full manifestation. So that's where psychology and manifesting just work hand in hand so beautifully because if a manifestation isn't coming through, we use psychology to remove, to clear, like to sweep the space, to clear the past, to allow that manifestation to come through. That's what psychology does so, so beautifully. It's like psychology is like, say you take cancer and say like um, radiation and chemo is the cure. Psychology is like that radiation and chemo, like why would you not use it? It's available to us. Maybe that's the route in which your manifestation or your healing is going to come through is through that psychology that like, that's the medicine to get you to where you need to go. Yeah, that makes sense. And I like the way that you put it where you're like, if someone is not ready, right, that could just be the indication of there's more work to do here, right? And when you get to the place where you are like, no, I know I deserve better. I know that I want more and I can have more. Like that's the space where you're just open to more coming in. Absolutely. It's so, so important to really hold that mindset like you're saying. Mm -hmm. Well, Melissa, this has been an amazing conversation and it I would love been. to. Yeah. Thank you again for joining me. This is beautiful. 
Yes, it was so fun to chat with you. You had really interesting questions. It's obvious that you have a clear grasp on psychological principles, but also on manifesting principles, law of assumption. So that's awesome. I'm surprised you haven't read Neville because you talk like you have. <laughs> yeah, no, I have. I just haven't read that book. <laughs> so, but I've, I've read oh, a couple. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. That makes I have, sense. Yeah, <laughs> like, I have it in my thing. No, I have it. And I've just been meaning to get to it. Like, I, I feel like I have a bunch of just like physical books. Um, I have some Dr. Joe Dispenza that I need to get to. Um, I also have an Abraham Hicks one that I like, there's so many and I'm like, just trying to tick them off one at a time. So, um, but thank you for your kind words. I truly appreciate that. And I would love to give you a chance to let us know where we can find you online and where we can follow along on your journey and also end with the fun question of what are some things that you're looking forward to manifesting this year? Okay. So people can find me um, if they go to attachmentrecovery.com. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, you can download a free guide on attachment trauma, and it'll also bring you to my calendar to book in a free 15-minute call to see if you would be a fit for my attachment recovery program, where we work on attachment recovery, parts work, adult and childhood traumas. We remove all those blocks and then we do Neville Goddard style manifesting. So highly recommend it. Um, and as far as what I'm hoping to manifest in 2023 would be that I fully move from my coat, from my psycho psychology practice over to my coaching business, just because my coaching business lights me up so much. Um, it's a newer business though, and I've been doing the coaching for about four months now. And like I said in the beginning, I've been a psychologist for eight years, so it's a big shift. So just um, manifesting kind of a non-bumpy transition, so a nice smooth transition over to coaching would be what I'm manifesting for 2023. Oh, I love that. That is beautiful. Well, first of all, congrats on your new business. And I know like making a it's it's similar work, but it's definitely a career change. So I know that's huge and super proud of you for doing that. But everything will be linked. Of course, everything will be linked down below. So anyone who wants to work with you or possibly check out your resources that you mentioned um, can check that out in the show notes. But Thank you again, Melissa, for joining me for this conversation. And we may be doing a part two soon if we have some questions come in about attachment styles and any other things related to law of assumptions. So thank you again. Oh, no problem. I would love to do a part two with you. This was such an interesting conversation and you know your stuff. So these are great. <laughs>
What if I told you that in 2024, you were going to travel more? I bet you would be excited because who doesn't have travel more on their 2024 vision board? But my loves, it's time to craft a bit of an action plan and take your first steps. And this is where I come in. I'm hosting a trip to Bali, May 23rd to May 29th, 2024 for the Manifest Daily community. I'm so excited about this one. We have a jam-packed itinerary. We have a Balinese cooking class, a sacred monkey forest, visit a coffee brewing workshop, literally the works because that's just a taste of the itinerary and this trip is a celebration of new beginnings and also a couple of birthdays so if you're curious about bali and you want to meet me there alongside a couple other wonderful amazing beautiful souls head to my website for more information themanifestly.com events visit the link in the show notes and yeah let's let's hang out in bali